This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardoj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. We would like to welcome to America's Roundtable a special guest joining us from Israel, in fact, from the biblical heartland, Judea and Samaria, also known as the West Bank. Oded Rivivi is the mayor of the Efrat municipality and the former Yesha Council chief foreign envoy. Rivivi received his bachelor degree in law from East London School and a master's degree in social sciences and public policy from the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. Mayor Ravivi is a partner of the Jerusalem Leaders Summit, International Leaders Summit, and we are delighted to have him share about the current issues impacting Israel, including the Abram Accords and the challenges in addressing Iran, a state sponsor of terrorism in the region. Uh, thank you, Oded. We really appreciate you joining us from Israel. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah and soon happy Christmas. It is I would say almost extremely exciting to be with you tonight because I still remember the last summit we had in Jerusalem, which I have to admit was slightly more exciting than sitting in front of a screen with these square boxes, but we'll try and do the best out of it. Indeed. So thank you uh, for the invitation and for the opportunity. We are assembling in really in historical times, hysterical times. I presume each one would use the specific term that he wants according to his political affiliation, but we can't ignore the fact that we are facing a change of administration in the United States. I would say in the beginning of something that looked like a breakthrough after so many years that there wasn't anything serious going in the Middle East. It's all related, uh, your previous uh, talk regarding finance and the American economy, Middle East, a relationship between the neighbors in the Middle East and, of course, Iran and the different treaties and allies that emerged against that specific regime, which is growing and uh, strengthening in Iran. I was one of those that, it's hard to believe, but it was less than a year ago when I was invited to uh, D.C. to actually uh, be present when the president made his uh, announcement about the deal of the century. And I was one of those who was extremely in favor of it because I thought that it brought something very out of the box, something new and refreshing to the region and to the people who live here. And I have to admit that from day one, it was obvious to me that it had to serve an American interest. It was made clear by the officials that we met from the American administration that they're in the deal of the century because it's protecting an American interest. But it also served a lot of interests which were important for the people of Israel and the people who live in the Middle East. Unfortunately, regarding the Palestinian issue, it didn't quite go forward the way the administration was hoping. But the administration coming back or coming from a background of business people 
they know that when you want to go forward with a deal, if it doesn't work one way, they brought it in for another way. They saw part of the deal of the century, also the importance of the financial relationship with the Gulf states. And that is what we've seen coming into fruition in the last few weeks, the Abraham Accord. And basically you see all of a sudden, even though the American people have made already their decision who is going to be the next administration, we see still Arab countries using this period of time between the change of administration to try and reach these normalization agreements between the United States, Israel, and themselves. And it's fascinating because it can't be taken for granted that during this period of time that people were expecting that nothing will happen, we see these Arab countries rushing into these agreements to serve their interest, to serve an American interest, and to serve an Israeli interest. And when you ask me what is that joint interest, it doesn't necessarily have to be a joint interest. It can be a different interest by every specific country, but when the three different countries see that each one can gain something in it, they engage in this agreement. And we know that at the end of the day, everybody is definitely concerned with what's happening in Iran. And I would say that that is the strongest bonding that there is at the moment behind these agreements. And I would conclude just with one word of advice, if I may, to the new coming administration, not to overrule things that were achieved in the last four years, just because they were brought to the table by a political rival. And I think we have to look at the last four years and see what achievements have been achieved. Ignore if it's really hard for you to see who was the president who was leading those processes, but just see at the process itself, the achievements, and try and go from there onwards forward and not erase what has been achieved. Amir Oded Rivivi, have you seen any recent changes within the Judea Samaria region? Uh, specifically as it relates to the response from Arab leaders engaged in the local private sector as entrepreneurs when they see Bahrain, Morocco, Sudan, and UAE joining the Abram Accords and normalizing ties with Israel. What are the local Arab business leaders saying within Israel? So it's an interesting question you're asking me because two weeks ago we had in Efrat a visit of one of the senior ministers of the Israeli government. And he came basically to see uh, the new industrial area that we're building in Efrat. And it just so happens you were in Efrat, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we have very good and close cooperation with our Arab neighbors. And surprisingly enough, the industrial area is also being built by Arab labor. So this Arab worker, who is not embarrassed, walks up to this minister and he says to him, excuse me, minister, you are managing to reach peace agreements with Dubai and the Emirates and maybe Morocco and all sorts of different countries which are far away from here. Look, and he points with his finger to his house, which is literally just across the road. And you were here, so you know exactly at what proximity I'm talking about. And he says, I live here but I'm considered a Palestinian and there are so many restrictions over me because there's no true peace between us and you. And I think the average Palestinian person, the private individuals on the road, 
they see what's happening in the Middle East. They see the real new Arab Spring, which is flourishing, and all of a sudden they understand that they've been left behind. And they've been left behind by a choice of their administration, who didn't want to engage, who wasn't willing to accept compromises. And when you talk about business and when you talk about commercial interests, you all know that at the end of the day, there are compromises. It's a bargain. You don't get everything you want. When you have a negotiation, you anticipate to end up with something less than what you wanted originally. The only problem is, and coming back to the previous person who talked so nicely about the rule of law, we sometimes forget that that specific Arab who lives across the road doesn't share or doesn't benefit the same legal protection that we on this screen all share. We can assembly here, we can speak about whatever we want, where I know that my neighbors who are under the Palestinian Authority just across the road can't speak freely, haven't had the right to vote for their government for over 14 years, and these are two different worlds which literally live with just a road in between them. But because we're living in such a world where everything is seen all over and there are no borders because you can just with your smartphone travel across the ocean and see what's happening there, they see that there are things that they're missing out, but they haven't yet managed to grasp enough strength to actually vocal their opinions publicly and turn it into actions. Uh, Mayor Oded Rivivi, when you see the tangible results that are coming out from the Abram Accords for Israel and specifically for the Judea-Samaria region, and we also notice within the United States that there is a movement, and which you have uh, alluded to time and time again and addressed with uh, principal leadership, the concern about the boycott, divestiture, and sanctions movement in Europe, and yes, a growing movement on the university campuses in America. What would your message be uh, to those that are pushing this agenda uh, to boycott Israel, uh, to not invest in Israel? And from what we see, uh, Israel has been a startup nation. And as we visited Efrat and the Judea Samaria region, we saw Arabs and Jews working along side in a same facility, providing for their children and educating their children uh, and uh, doing some great work. So what is your message to those uh, that are pushing the BDS agenda that hurts not just only the Jewish communities uh, within Israel, but also Arab families? The BDS movement doesn't harm or hurt the Jewish people who live in Israel. The products that we have developed, the inventions that we have developed have such a big demand that people, if they're really concerned as to the label of where it's made in, they put their hands on their eyes, they buy the product, and they just carry on using it. We have video clips of Arab leaders who have a pacemaker in their chest, which on it says made in Israel, and they're the biggest people who go and call for boycotting Israel products. If you will confront them, with the fact that they're carrying inside them a technology that basically has given them life, they will keep their mouths shut. And at the end of the day, what we need to do is to confuse these people with the facts. One of the leading BDS campaigns was against the SodaStream factory. And I always like to bring that as an example. There was a very big campaign. There were threats against the owners. If you carry on manufacturing in the God forbid occupied territories, 
we will boycott your products. The owner of the factory made a financial decision, closed his factory by Maale Domim in the Judean hills and moved it into Israel. You know what happened? His sales went up because he did a financial move which had absolutely nothing to do with the location of the factory. But at the end of the day, hundreds of Arab workers lost their jobs because the manufacturer changed locations. You didn't see any parties of celebrations because the BDS understood that at the end of the day, they're literally harming the Palestinian people. That's why the BDS movement, it's painful to see it because their accusations are false. Their achievements are not doing any good for any people. And at the end of the day, Israel's financial situation, Israel initiatives, Israel inventions are so outstanding that we are there. And, and we get the demand without even those things. And just to finish off with a, a smile, we have a winery just around the corner here. And they told me that they sell wines also to uh, South America, where there are no restrictions for labeling that it's produce of Judean Samaria. Yet, surprisingly enough, the people who bought the wine in uh, South America asked for those labels to be carried on being printed, as if it's being imported to Europe where there is a demand to label the goods. They asked why. The answer they got was because the wine with that label is basically a label of high quality. So it raises the selling point of your specific wine. So we ask you to label it because that's a great promotion of your product. If you were visiting Washington DC this afternoon and you would bump into President Donald Trump and on behalf of the citizens in Israel's heartland, Judea and Samaria, what would you say to President Trump as well as to the Biden team? President Trump, I would say, thank you very much. Thank you very much for thinking out of the box and drawing new things which weren't on the table, to be honest, since 1968. The fact that he has drawn a conceptual map, understanding that reality has changed in the last 52 years, is thinking out of the box. Because up until him, every single leader, whether it's an American leader or a European leader, always came back to the 1967 border which isn't really a border, it's just a line of the ceasefire of the War of Independence. They came back to the Rogers Plan of 1968, and all these initiatives always ended up in a dead block. And President Trump came with new ideas, you can like them, you can dislike them. But he got the wagon moving just because he brought something new to the table that wasn't on the table beforehand. Regarding the Biden team, it doesn't mean that when we change administration, we have to clear the table, do delete to everything that's happened beforehand, and start with a clean piece of paper. It's a, an amazing opportunity to look what has been achieved in the last term and try and see what can we move forward with in the next upcoming four years. President Biden is coming and when we know and remember that he was the vice president of President Obama. President Obama's eight years had a lot of intentions, but they didn't bring us forward anywhere. And I think President Biden understands that, and he said he is not intending to be the third term 
of President Obama. And that is an important and good saying. But let's take it a step forward. He can say, I want to see what has been achieved in the last four years and see how we can move forward for the interest, for the purpose, for the benefit of number one, the American people, because he is the American president. And then also for the people in this region. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mayor Oded Rivivi, for joining us from Efrat in the Judea Samaria region in Israel. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting in Michigan. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I am Jolan Ansami, your co-host joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and via YouTube on International Leaders Summit. Visit iLeadersSummit.org.